book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 1 to 20. You can find this on page 1085 in most pew Bibles. This is um, just for some context, Jesus going from town to town, village to village, on the way to Jerusalem with his followers. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its street and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of God. Once again, I want to bring you greetings from the continent of Africa, uh, specifically from our board. And of course, one of our board members is here, Chris, so this is a good place to deliver uh, those uh, greetings. And precisely from our treasurer, uh, Professor um, William, who happens to be our international treasurer and who really carries the burden as to the financial aspects of our ministry. And like I said earlier, knowing that I was coming to one of our main partner uh, nations, you're more of a continent, 
So he was very keen to say, I should really say to you how grateful as the church in Africa we are, both for your partnership in prayer as well as in giving. Uh, because it goes, just like we see in the scripture, the two go together. I mean, we pray for the work, and as the Lord would enable, enable us the task that we believe in, we also give of our substance into it. And uh, today, of course, is Mother's Day, and my mother is very far away. And I believe, mothers, indeed, you're blessed. And uh, I remember my own mother, a passion, a prayer for me, or prayers uh, before I came to faith, the way she would pray for me and interceded for me. But my story goes back even when I was conceived, because she reminds me how she prayed for me, that I may serve the Lord, how she conceived me when she was very young. And all reasons for her to get rid of me before I was were there. And she tells me how she cried and wept and prayed. And the Lord strengthened her to say she will keep this child. And even dedicated the child to God. And uh, thanks be to God. When I became a believer, on the contrary, but not to lessen that aspect. When I said I will be a preacher... My dad said, son, how will you make food or put food on the table by being a preacher? He said, son, preaching is the poor man's job. It's for those who failed in school. Get a real man's job, tough job. And uh, we had a hard time, but I can only say my mother's prayers sustained me even in that challenging moment to say, yes, I will still follow what I sensed was God's call for me. But mothers throughout history, women, mothers, you've been a real anchor for the expansion of God's kingdom. I'm reminded of women in Europe in the 18th century. When they knew to be a missionary in Africa, you had to be ready to die. In some of the accounts, when it was known as the dark continent of Africa, we read of missionaries. If you said you're going to Africa, you stood up, measured you, we got to know your size, and so that you'd carry your clothes packed in a coffin. They had what they would call one-way ticket or one-way, I mean, most of them would use boats, one-way ticket on the boat, but they still came. And it's even said in history, some of these women prayed who had no children, saying, Lord God, give me a child and make him a missionary. Because they felt burdened by the call of God to send missionaries across the world. We salute such mothers, such women. Because of them, the gospel was pushed to the frontiers and including to my very own continent of Africa. So that's to say, we bless you, mothers, as we celebrate you on this Mother's Day. In Africa, we would have had amen, but I was told when you come to Australia, leave your amens at the airport, you pick them on your way out. <laughs> and uh, so our topic for today, as mentioned, 
Uh, it comes or theme comes from this text in the book of Luke chapter 10. But I'll take you two steps back. In chapter 8, the Bible tells this, in chapter 8, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. The twelve were with him. Also, some women were also there who had been cured of evil spirits, among them Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Johanna, the wife of Chusa, manager of Herod's household, in other words, the impact of Jesus or the kingdom of God even then was going right into Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. In other words, as Jesus and his 12 disciples were fulfilling this call, women were also there backing them up with their resources within the cultural or context or the time. Uh, we know that being a woman in that culture, it's said even among Jews at times, or rather the norm would be a man would walk ahead, a woman would be behind following. Sounds like the Maasai tribe in Africa where the man goes ahead and the woman follows, but we see even then, in that context, women were involved as Jesus fulfilled his mission. But then in the following chapter, it's the sending of the twelve. So from Jesus, backed up by the twelve, in chapter 9, the twelve now, themselves being sent out, it keeps enlarging. And then in chapter number 10, where we read our our our. Chapter for the day, we see it's the sending of the 72. It keeps enlarging. And of course, we know upon his resurrection, he says, Go into all the earth and preach the kingdom of God. And that's what I come here to share with you, as I also minister this uh, uh, tonight, of what God is doing as we seek within our context of Africa to fulfill that commission. In this chapter, beginning from verse 1, it tells us after this, the Lord appoints these 72. We are, they are called others. He sends them two by two to every town and place where he was about to go. The priority of towns or villages or where people gather seems to have been part of Jesus' strategy. And so we see him here sending them to this 35, 36, eh? 72 divided by 2. It's late in the evening, but we can still calculate. It's 36. So 36 different destinations. Within this, I see Jesus overwhelmed, or rather Jesus compelled and uh, a passion. That within his focus, he has 35 different cities, different towns that he's aiming for. It says where he was planning to go, but he doesn't just send them to say, Behold, there comes one. Like John the Baptist, I prepare the way for the one who is coming. But they were in the real sense proclaiming the kingdom of God like we've read, including healing the sick, 
casting out demons as he had commanded them, and leading people into a personal relationship with the Almighty God. So he sends them. And within his instructions, one of the key ones that he begins with is prayer. He says prayer. The harvest is plentiful. Verse 2. The harvest is plenty, plentiful. A lot of it. But the laborers are few. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send forth laborers into his harvest field. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. The first call that Jesus makes is a call to prayer. And and as I share about what God is doing in our continent, I want to encourage us and to say thank you for praying with us. Because without prayer, we cannot by any means overcome the wiles, the schemes, and the lies, and all the forces like we've prayed today, all that which the enemy would be seeking to hold us back through, whether it's through the political intrigues, or whether it's through even the economic challenges, or whether it's through direct spiritual encounter where the enemy seeks to push us back. Prayer. Jesus says, number one, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. When we carry out missions in African enterprise, one of the exciting places to visit is a prayer room during the mission. During the mission, like one we are planning in a city known as Meru this year in Kenya. We have another one in Ghana. In Equipa, it's a hard name. In Africa, we have many languages and uh, names can be quite uh, complicated. We have another one in Mwanza, all the way going to South Africa, like I said during the interview, Grahamstown. And in these missions, as the mission is taking place, our 72, which could go as far as 3,000, one of them that is being planned now, the one in Kenya, there will be 3,000 people. The mobilization is going on. While I'm here, we are still sending messages saying, how is it? That church is sending 100. That church is sending 50. That church is sending a, a, a busload of people. These are people like the 72. They are not full-timers. They are not the 12, like Chris and myself, who's day-to-day job is in the church or in Christian services. These will be teachers. These will be managers. Some of them will be farmers who even come along with their potatoes and their food saying, we are going for this mission. Let's carry what we have with us. But they take a break from their work and they come with us and they join us in the mission and they participate in the mission. I'll talk more about the power of that. But during the mission, one of the things that we do is we set up a place for prayer. So while these other guys are going on every day, there will be a team that is left behind every day who say, who is here among us today who will be watching and praying, kind of cover the backs of those who are going. And so if you go to that place, it's a place of groaning. It's a place of tears. 
You'll be hearing people sighing and crying and moaning and saying, Lord, save your people. Set your people free. I mean, it's a place where sometimes you might go and you get offended or you get scared or you wonder, what is happening? What has befallen these people? Because they are groaning and crying before God. And I want to say to us, just as Jesus said, prayer is the number one thing. You may not go, but you can pray. Prayer. Prayer. Many of us here are Presbyterians tonight, and we remember John Knox. His prayer for Scotland. Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Like Rachel in chapter 30 of Genesis, give me children or I die. You know, he was enthused and consumed that his people may be saved. And that was his cry. He was a man of prayer. So much that history records Queen Mary of the Scots, she said, I fear the prayers of this man more than I fear the prayers of all the armies of Europe assembled together. Because she knew when he prays, something happens. And my brothers and sisters, I remind us again, in the world we are facing enormous challenges, including in your country, in Africa we are, political challenges. I look at South Africa, the things that are happening, Zimbabwe, a nation that has been on its knees, South Sudan, where we are working with the political leadership, the, the tribes that are still fighting, the, the terrorists, North Africa, where we are working with the underground church, the pressure, the force from the Muslims with their acclaimed, proclaimed vision to make Africa the first Islamic continent on the planet. But through prayer, we can prevail. And that's where again, as we talk about missions tonight, let's be reminded prayer. God's army advances on its knees on prayer. And that's why I want to encourage you to be praying for us and all your other missionaries. Like uh, Ben said, if you can download so that you can get to hear stories, accounts, uh, you, you know, so that, you know, you are consumed, so that you can get consumed. Prayer, I also see it, it's like labor, travailing. Isaiah 66 verse 8 says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. We can travail in prayer. Young people, you can travail in prayer. Prayer is not just for the elderly or for the grandpa. No, it's for all of us. Prayer is not for a special group of people, intercessors. And I'm so grateful for my friends here who intercede for us, the Melbourne African Enterprise Prayer Team. Of course, they pray for the whole world, but they really, you know, lift us up. Prayer. We can all be involved in prayer. When I was a young man, before beginning to go on missions, for long I wanted to go. I would say, why do I pray for others? And I'm not getting the chance to go. But the Lord strongly impressed on me the need to learn how to pray. The need to build a prayer life. The need to build a discipline of prayer. And in a time when we are in a rush, 
I still appeal to us, you are Jesus' bride. Let's again remind ourselves for the mission to advance in Australia, in Africa where we are, it calls on us to pray. Of course we see, he also says to them, as you go, do not carry any wallet. Do not carry money, as he was sending them at this point. Of course, that doesn't mean Jesus wasn't keen on money. We read earlier the women who with their means, they supported Christ. And of course, we know the crafty man, Judas, who had the money bag. So indeed, Jesus, you know, they did plan for that. They were not just moving. But at this point, as he sends the 70, he says, don't carry any wallet. Because he was teaching them a lesson how to rely on him. And I remember during those my early days going on missions, one time I was invited to speak in one of the towns, uh, some of the Kenyans who are here, and bless you for coming, uh, you, you know, the town known as Machakos. But I had no funds. I prayed as a young man, and I felt the Lord saying to me, trust in me, don't ask your parents for the money, because they will not pay for you everywhere where I will send you. And so I was there praying, I fasted, no money came, the day came, went to the bus stop with my bag, no funds came, finally I felt the Lord saying, get into the bus, go into the bus, sat at the very back, the conductor came, those days they were tough, he was nearly throwing me out through the window, and I pleaded, said, please sell these clothes, I had a very good African garment my mom had made for me, he took it, threw it back, said, young man, bring the money. And finally, there were some drunkards behind. I knew they were drunkards because you could smell the stuff and the way they were talking. They shouted to the man, they didn't you hear? The boy says he's going to preach. We'll pay for him. And they paid for me, and I got to this school. That was miracle one. Preached. And on the following day, I was there going. The chaplain said, young man, you really blessed us. In my mind, I'm saying, if you only knew how I made it here. But again, the Lord was saying to me, don't ask him for any money. Just believe in me. And so what I did, he said goodbye. He didn't give me any fare. I took my bag, went to the road, began walking back to Nairobi. I walked the whole day. It got dark when I was in a place known as Earth River, closer to the city, but still about nearly uh, 15 or so kilometers to the city. I still made it that night, but God is faithful. I learned a lesson. I learned in God's work, like we rehearsed earlier, our labor is not in vain. The enemy will seek to pressurize us, you know, to put all the obstacles to hinder us, whether it's resources or in the other verse that it says, I'm sending you a sheep among hoofs. But I also learned this lesson again on resources. When I got married, my wife was also one of the students preaching among students in the, in the schools. She was at the university. And uh, so when we married, we said we'd love to be going together for some of these uh, mission trips. So one time, I'm now at this point with African Enterprise, and I was going to this other town, but in the office, we could only afford... Uh, my own seven, what would be like seven dollars today. 
We couldn't manage to get for my wife so that she could come with me. So she said to me, darling, this office of yours doesn't care about me. They only thought of you. They couldn't give money for both of us to go. And I felt so troubled. But I remembered the one who sends us is the Lord. We should not look at people. So what I did, I went to a church near where we lived and prayed. I prayed for several hours, about two to three hours, until I felt the peace of God coming on me. Then I came back, said to my wife, darling, we'll be going together tomorrow. She said, no, you only have your money. I said, please believe, I sense the peace of God. In the morning, we woke up, I encouraged her, she wasn't that much excited because of, you know, uh, that other conversation. And uh, we stood at the door about 7 a.m. to pray before leaving. As we were praying, we had a knock at the door. We opened, a lady looked in, we knew as a neighbor down the street, she had an envelope. She put it in and said, I really felt I must bring this envelope this morning, this letter. She, she said, letter. So please, goodbye. We said, yes, we are on our way to a mission, an AE mission, and God bless you. We prayed, began walking to the road. On the road, we opened the envelope. What was there? The $7 for my wife to go and to come. God knows our needs. But again, the need to build prayer within as, as part of the means in us fulfilling the Great Commission. When we began mobilizing huge numbers to go for our missions, because when I say numbers, I mentioned 3,000. And it's possible to think, is he creating these numbers? But at the beginning, we had smaller missions. We'd have a mission which would be, these are 10-day mission campaigns. This, as you saw on the video, will be going to all aspects of the city. Jesus sends us to all, which is emphasized here in verse 5 and verse 8. Verse 5, he says, every house where you are received. In verse 8, he says, every city. When he sends the 12, he says, go only to the Jewish tribes or to the children of Israel. When he sends the 70, he says, go to everybody, non-selectively. Kind of a precursor of the worldwide mission, which will be to every tribe, to every people, without selection. And so when we go for these missions, we'll have all kinds of people from different backgrounds. It will not just be the clergy, the ordained. Lay people will be involved, and I see the power in that, because as a lay person, you're a businessman. Like my friend from Kenya there, Joseph, a programmer. And when we put computer wizards, like we call them, together, and he shares his story, how does he, as a computer person, IT person, follow Christ? You know, that resonates more than Chris simply saying, I am a pastor, and today I've come here to tell you about Jesus. I mean, it's also powerful, but when it connects so that they feel this is a professional like us. When a businessman stands like Zacchaeus and encounters Jesus, he calls his friends. When a businessman stands in a businessman's meeting, part of the mission, he shares his story. How do you follow Jesus when we are saying everybody is corrupt? 
Everybody lies to make it in business. How do you remain on top or still there while following Jesus? And as he shares his struggles, he's not painting just a good picture, but he says how, you know, he prays, trusts God, and the challenges he goes through. That challenge is a businessman. When a politician shares his own story among the political leaders during the mission, he says, I'm a politician, but I believe in Jesus. He may share for five minutes. I found often politicians who don't share for long when it's church-related. He may share for five minutes, but that five minutes means so much to another businessman or politician who is listening. You'll be saying, okay, if this cabinet minister... Like we had one in South Sudan who listened in our forum and he said, I'll follow this Jesus during an, a national prayer breakfast. And what happened? Other politicians came when he was being baptized. And one of the politicians said, I don't go to church. But because of this man, I came today. And I followed up later. That politician also made a decision to follow Christ because of this other politician who made a decision for Christ and kind of in his own way shared out his faith, which for him was a public baptism where other politicians were involved. So when we widen the scope, Jesus widens the net. Lots of fish in this net. From the streets where we go to the pubs and clubs at night, to the disco theaters. And in Africa, those of us who are from Africa, you know, Christians, we don't go to drinking pubs or disco places. Because that's the way our Christianity is captured. But we go there as Christians. This one is drinking as alcohol, and I may be taking my Coca-Cola, because within my Christian nature, I have not been trained how to drink. In heaven, I will be able to. Okay. <laughs> but as we go to the pubs, and these women, prostitutes, they listen to the gospel. We will not be sitting and taking over the disco theater. We will simply be taking our Coca-Cola or drink, but we are also taking chances in any random conversation. And we've seen prostitutes coming to Christ. I remember one lawyer who was there, drinking and one of our sisters she's one of my spiritual daughters told him you know i have a friend in my life and he was saying who is this friend because he thought she would become his girlfriend and she kept saying he loves me more than anybody else and the more she said that the more he felt he should win her until finally she said it's jesus which shocked him said and what are you doing here she said i'm here because this same jesus loves you and that lawyer gave his life to the Lord right there in the pub. Going where the people are. The 72 were sent to the wider community. From varied backgrounds to a varied context. God's world, God's fish, God's lost children are scattered in all these professions. And I like what Abraham Cooper, the prime minister... Of Holland, 1900 to 1905, he said there is no inch, square inch, in the whole of human existence, whether in any discipline, whether in arts or music, where Christ does not claim saying, mine, mine, mine. He has children, he has people in all those sectors that we need to reach out to. But when we limit the task to the twelve. 
We are limiting God's scope, God's catch. Reminds me of the man who was fishing, and as he fished for long without catching any fish, he saw a friend who came and began fishing with some more modern gear, and soon caught a fish. But he lifted up the fish, looked at it, threw it back into the river. Then he caught a second one, threw it back. He lifted it like a scientist doing an experiment. When he caught the third one, before he threw it, this friend said, Hey, hey, what's wrong? I labored the whole night, caught nothing, you're throwing them back. This man said, yes. Why? He said, because my wife's frying pan is this size. And many of us in our mind, when we think of who is a missionary, or who is a minister, or who should share, or when we think of the lost, there is an image in our mind. And I pray that the Lord enlarges that image. Or when we think of serving God, when my daughter said to me, and my son, there will be musicians, my son plays saxophone, and my daughter is also singing and composing. The first thing I say to my son was, and son, how will you earn a living? And my wife laughed. And she reminded me, darling, that's what your, your dad said to you. Because in my mind, there is what I think things that preachers should do or what should really be a means of earning a living. Whether it's the arts, whether it's the film, whether it's in the political field, any field, all fields, Christ sends us. And that's why when I say 3,000 marching into one city, they are going into every part of the city, from the top to the bottom or bottom to the top, to present Christ our Lord and Savior. I need to be going forward because you have all the watches here and no time. We have lesser watches in Kenya, but more time. So I need to hurry up or I'll be told, cut it. Last year, by God's grace, we were able to present the gospel through this type of outreaches all across Africa to 1,138,000 and a few numbers in Africa last year. From schools to parliaments, to business places, to public open meetings. And out of this, by God's grace, our labor wasn't in vain. The memory of us for this month, we were able to see 98,005 making commitments to Jesus. There is people signing up to say, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. What a joy. What a joy. What a joy. That they made decisions, 98,000 plus, committed themselves to be followers of Jesus. The numbers look huge, but Africa is huge. In Africa today, we are 1.2 billion people. By 2050, it will be 2.4 billion people. It says as Asia and the rest of the world comes down in population will still be increasing in population. And the task is becoming more and more complicated. I usually say in Kenya we've had 43 tribes which doesn't count my little tribe the Mbere. But now we have another tribe, the Chinese who are also there. 
So that's another added task or privilege that God has given us to share the good news with the Chinese who are flocking into Africa in their thousands for trade and for business. And when they are in Africa, they are much more open to the preaching of God's word. But of course, it means we now must navigate even a more complicated context. Reminds me, and I know my time is running out, one time I was in the United States for studies for some time. And a friend invited me. Remember Jesus says, whatever is said before you eat. And one of my toughest times was when I was invited by my Chinese friend and we enjoyed some very good frogs. I'm not saying all Chinese eat frogs, no, far from that. But I've eaten frogs and I... You know, at the end of the day, when I was young, I would vomit, I would puke. If my dad said, wipe your sister's puke, I would add more. (laughs) And being a follower of Christ, there are things we must change. It may be our attitudes, our ways, our, you know, the the glasses we wear on people, whether tribes, whether race, but we must see them as God's children. And that day I was praying, Lord, keep the frog in the stomach. You know, let it not jump out. And uh, indeed, it tasted like chicken at the end of the day. And even today, I look forward. uh, you, You know, what am I saying? That as followers of Christ, as we navigate all this context, as we relate with people, imagine a Jew getting into the house of a Gentile and being able to relate with them. It was tough, more so in this context where Jesus sends this 72. It was tough. And that's what we must navigate and encounter. But he also says, I send you as sheep among hoofs, which are not dwell on long, which again emphasizes the challenges. He says to them, don't shake hands on the way, which again puts high tense the sense of emergency. In other words, there's a task that needs to be accomplished and accomplished in a speedy way. In a speedy manner. In the previous chapter, one man says, I'll follow you, but let me bury my dad. In other words, I'll go wait until my aged or ailing dad passes, then life will resume. Jesus says, no, priority, follow me. Come and preach the kingdom of God. What is he emphasizing? It's the same Jesus who said, respect your parents. When he spoke of offerings, do not just say I gave to God, I will not give to my parents. Jesus taught that. But what is he saying? He's saying, now, preaching the kingdom of God is super priority. I want to encourage us tonight, as we speak about missions, to say to you, some of you here young people, the church in Australia, or the nation of Australia, you are 37 average age. Africa is 18. And in fact, it says it keeps reducing. In other words, the average African is 18 years old. The average Aussie is 37 years old. There is a great call in Australia for renewed younger people joining God's service, joining the ranks of God's kingdom, whether within the country or outside to the nations of the earth. That need is there. And again, I would say, let's nurture it in prayer. And as you hear God's call, Please answer the call. The task still demands us. 
whether it's through your IT, whether it's through your profession, or even going as a full-time, the Lord is still calling out for laborers because the task is huge. And he says, indeed, until we accomplish it, he is not, or rather that's only when he will come. He castigates some of the nations, as I come down now, he castigates some of the cities that had him but did not Repent. Capernaum, he says, you are proud, you'll be brought down. Bethsaida, which also means house of snares, a city that would snare people. He castigates them and says, Tyre and Sidon would have been saved if they saw the things that you saw. And he says, of the day of judgment that is coming, we proclaim the kingdom of God. Because we know God has ordained and there is an end and that every man will be judged. Like Paul would say, knowing the wrath of God, we plead with men, be and women, be reconciled to God. That's the call that the Lord has sent us to proclaim out there to the nations. In the Lord of the Rings, the final epic speaks of the return of the king. The return of the king. But we speak of a greater return of a king. The Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. In Revelation 19, he says he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He comes back, not as he came as a baby, he comes to judge. He says death will flee before him. Kings will be crying before him. But we have the privilege today to share this message so that men and women may come. So that as the king returns, they will be found in line with the will of God. The seventy. To return with joy. And what a joy when amateurs, so to say, come back rejoicing. These were amateurs. These were not the twelve. But they come saying, Lord, even us, the demons were fleeing as we spoke in your name. And Jesus says, yes, I've given you even power, all power over all the enemy's power. But he says, but don't rejoice. The demons flee. Above all, rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. That's the ultimate. And may the Lord help us, brothers and sisters, here at home and abroad, as you send missionaries, as you pray for them, that even I, that you, that we will be there on that day. That's what we live for in African enterprise praying and helping people to know him as Lord. And it's my prayer that the same also becomes your overwhelming passion, that with all that I do, may I be there on that day, in that book of life. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we bow before you. You are the Lord of Lords. Time does not permit us to tell of your greatness, all of your greatness, and even your command for us to go into the nations. And Father, I pray for this, my brothers and sisters, partners and friends in the ministry, and as a congregation, partners with the work that you've called us to do in our side of the planet. And Lord, here I pray that as a church, your work of rejuvenation 
salvation, the work of grace, may continuously be on the increase among them, that you may raise more like the 72, that you may raise young men and women who will say, Here I am, Lord, send me. And I pray, Father, this evening, if there is anyone among us who doesn't have that assurance of their name being in that book of life, that you may stir them, that you may quicken them, that you may make them restless until they make that commitment that brings peace with you. We love you this night and we bless your name and thank you for calling us and the assurance that our labor is indeed not in vain. This we pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and the Lord bless you.